Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Delicious Magazine's Extra Portion, the bits from the monthly podcasts we just couldn't leave on the cutting room floor. This week we're popping back to Le Gaffroche, featured in the May podcast, to hear more from Michel Rue Jr. as he and his team continue to celebrate 50 years of the restaurant's place in the culinary history of the UK. So it, it's breakfast time at Le Gavroche in the middle of Mayfair and, and I'm drinking coffee with Michelle Rue Jr. <laughs> yeah, I hasten to add it's breakfast time but we're not serving breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should have asked really, shouldn't I? Yeah. So Le Gavroche, it's 50 years. Mm. That's quite extraordinary. That kind of spans the entire history of modern British food culture, doesn't it, really? <laughs> I suppose it does. I mean, it is crazy when you think 1967... Uh, to now, um, how the food scene has changed in Britain. It is incredible. I mean, for those who do remember the 60s, um, yeah, it was it was pretty dire here. There, there were a few good restaurants, a few good places to eat, but there were few and far between, and they were really for the elite. Yes, and that's the difference, isn't it? And, you know, certainly probably for the first 25 years of Le Gavroche, and arguably still, it, it is dining for the elite, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't say the elite, but it certainly is. Well, you've got to think about it. But, uh, you know, I, I always say it's, it's value for money, whether you're coming in for the full, fully blown tasting menu with the wines or, or you know, eating a la carte, or you come for lunch on the, the special lunch menu, which, you know, at, at £60 for everything, and I mean everything, the wine, the water, the coffee, the three courses, the canapes and so on and so forth, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much a steal. Um, it, but actually, I wasn't really talking about money. I was talking about what, what Le Gavroche really sort of represented way back then was fine dining, was bringing French classical cuisine to Britain, uh, where we didn't really have that, did we? We mm. had a very sort of blank, bland food culture. And so it set up a sort of an elitist idea of what food could be. Fi- fine dining represented something that wasn't, you know, it was a special treat. Um, but actually, that has changed, hasn't it? And I would argue that it's because a lot of the great chefs came through Le, Le Gavroche and tempted people to start being interested in food. Tell us about some of those early chefs who came through the kitchens. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there. You hit the, you know, the nail on the head. Um, the amount of staff that have come through the kitchens of Le Gavroche and the Waterside Inn and, and, and the Rue kitchens in general. Um, is phenomenal and these young British chefs then went on to open up their own restaurants um, and have now trained even more young British chefs so it's been self-perpetuating but what what is wonderful is that these young British chefs um, have then developed their own style 
and uh, and, that, and that's wonderful to see. It's very very heartwarming. I mean, people like Marco Pierre White, Gordon Ramsay, just to mention two, um, have gone on to do great things, um, and and have just raised the bar even more. Uh, and not just raised the bar, but then democratised as well, uh, eating out. Yeah, uh, and, and, and that is it. It's about the democracy of eating, and that's the big change in, in the last 30 years, certainly. Um, before we go on to that, um, uh, Marco told me a long time ago about how, um, you know, the Rue brothers were like fathers to him. And, you know, those young lads coming into the kitchen aged 16. I mean, he literally knocked on the door, didn't he, and, and, and found his way in. But that paternalistic... He didn't just knock on the door. He knocked the door down. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of fatherly interest, that paternalistic kind of thing, brought a lot of young men into, into the kitchen, certainly. Women came later, and that's a, a different story yeah. altogether. But, but, I mean... I, I, you probably learned at the, at the hands of your father as well. How important is that paternalistic sort of legacy? I think it's very important, and that um, because we are a small family-run business, uh, there's still that you know that that family uh, feel to the place, and um, uh, and I I, th- I I feel very fatherly towards a lot of my staff here, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, you know it happens on a regular occurrence to put an arm around the shoulder and, uh, and, and deal with personal problems that they have, that they may have. And, and that's very much how my father ran the business um, back in the 60s and 70s, and my uncle uh, as well. Um, and that's how you know, I do the same. And it's, it, it, there is a family feel about the place. I mean, there is, and I wonder if that... I know that there's a lot of love. Every, all the chefs I ever talk to talk about a lot of love about the food um, and the love in the kitchens, but actually it was a pretty brutal place until fairly recently, wasn't it? Um, well, it, it, it still is a very tough environment, the kitchen, um, although over the years it, it's changed and got less uh, less so, less hard and tough. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean... It, I look back to my early years and, and I think, my word, how we have changed for the better. Um, but there's still room for improvement and we can still do better. And uh, I think that's that's one of the ways that we will be able to attract more staff uh, in the catering industry. And that's not just for the kitchen as well, actually, for front of house too, um, is to to be able to offer some, some very good working conditions. And I, I think in a, a family-run business, um, you know, independent business, um, that that that's where the change will happen first. Mm. Because there was that that problem, wasn't there, about the the, the working <laughs> conditions? Chefs were not being paid enough, and that that's that was a sort of a a moment in in kitchen history, wasn't it? Has that been a a, a thing that for the good? Um, gosh, there, there there has been a lot said about that uh, particular issue with with Le Gavroche. And um, quite recently, there was an article that came out. Uh, I noticed a name and shame list um, in the that the home that, that the um, the government put out. I think there were over three hundred restaurants that were in that list. Um, it's it's not new, and um, I mean, in our particular instance, it was uh, a handful of chefs, and uh, and that was exacerbated by some problems that we had here in the kitchen it, it, it's a tough one because chefs want to work the hours they want to work hard um, they almost see working 
long hours and working very, very hard, and then burning the candle both ends as a rite of passage. Yes. It's and part of the sex appeal, isn't it, of being a, a, a Marco-type chef, a Gordon-type chef? Yeah, absolutely. But we cannot expect to bring in young boys and girls into our business if we continue to do that. Mm. So there has to be change. And, um, and, and you know, I've always, always advocated working less hours. We uh, implemented shutting on Mondays uh, at the beginning of last year. Um, now we're going to shut on Tuesday lunches as well. So we are really, really facing uh, this, um, this issue of working long hours head on. Mm. And um, we, 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 can, we can do that because we're a small independent restaurant, but it's far more difficult in, in bigger restaurants. What's your view on how we can get more women in the kitchen? Gosh, I mean, there, there is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't have more women in the kitchen. Um, I mean head chef here is Rachel Humphrey she started as an apprentice and uh, you know now runs the show um, out of a team of 16 I think we have five women in the kitchen which is which is poor at one stage we were actually 50 50 but um, there is no reason why we, we, shan't, we shouldn't have more kitchen more women in the kitchen it's not as uh, tough as it was before you know there are no longer the these massive great big pots that weigh 50 kilo that you have to you know on bags of sugar you know and, and things you know all of that the, the physicality of it is such that that there but is it, no but reason. it was always about the culture wasn't it you know the 14 hour days yeah, the blood sweat and tears the shouting the the kind of the aggression that's that's over would you say now well it's certainly it's never been the case well i say never that i even i lose my rag occasionally uh but but there is no reason for it and and everybody should be equal doesn't matter your gender uh, your color or where you know it, everybody should be equal and treated in the same way uh, and that's certainly been the the, the, the way that I've dealt uh, or worked here um, and if you're good enough then you know it doesn't matter yeah Let's go back to the democratisation of, mm. of, of food. So we've got this extraordinary legacy. So the, the, the table was laid in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, particularly in the 80s, for really excellent food. There were some amazing chefs coming with lots yeah. of ideas from all over the world contributing to that French standard. Um, what's happened since is an explosion of taste mm. and diversity and different cultures. Looking back over the last 50 years of British food, of food in Britain. Mm. I, I think it's extraordinary, and to be part of it is, is you know, sometimes you have to pinch yourself and think, wow, you know, th this really, really has happened. I mean, if you take, you know, France or actually, yeah, most, most of continental Europe, I would say, um, they have a huge food leg uh, history, uh, and, and it's part of the fabric of the, of the, of the country. Uh, part of the history, um, which was not the case in Britain. Well, it was, and then we lost it for about two hundred years. Yes, the Enclosures Act. But uh, yes, well, yeah, that and the war, and then rationing and yeah. such like. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yes, there's been a, a, a lot of it's it's lost its way, but now it certainly has changed, and uh, we've got a couple of generations now in, and so it, it's building up again. This this wonderful food heritage 
Um, you see little farmers markets popping up everywhere, independent uh, little little independent farms knocking on your door wanting to sell you know their wares, and you know it, that's that's extraordinary. So it's all filtered down. Um, that's a really interesting thing. We're very big on the produce, uh, small producers, the mm-hmm. stories of the small people at Delicious. And um, I was interviewing, um, I think it was Rick Stein actually talking about it. And he was saying, actually, the small producers are knocking on the doors now. Yeah. Uh, no, that's right. It was Johnny Mert, Fisherman um, of the Year. And he said, with the people knocking on the door, more people can also knock on the door. And the chefs will open it. Of course. And that's the big difference now. Mm, it is. It's a big difference. I mean, if you, if you look back to the 60s and 70s, the quality of a vegetable was um, its size. So, you know, you would go to the, the Covent Garden market, the old Covent Garden market, and uh, the, the, the guys there would be selling their wares would be saying, look at the quality of the leeks. And the quality of the leeks was because a leek would weigh a kilo. Yeah. It didn't taste good, yeah. but it was just the size that mattered. Um, whereas now it's it's the taste and how it's grown and where it's grown, um, and and that's so important. And that that's wholesale change, and it's changed because the chefs have demanded that. Um, and and now it's sort of the other way round. Well, not the other way round, but now these little farmers are knocking on our doors, and it's fabulous. It's great to see. Yeah, and that gives the chefs an opportunity to look at the pro- the, the produce and decide then and there. And it, it feels much more sort of like old-school Italy or old-school Absolutely. France. Well, yes, it, it produce-led, um, which is the way it should be. And, uh, and chefs you know, up and down the country are being inspired by that um, and their locality and uh, um, you know, using local produce and independence and uh, I think that's that's very important that that has been part of the movement thanks for listening to delicious magazine's extra portion you can find out much more about all things delicious at the website deliciousmagazine.co.uk and while you're there do subscribe and get every podcast delivered free to your podcast app see you next week Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.